0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at emmausroad.com. This is the second in our series on hurry and how to be still in life, uh, based around a brilliant book. Uh, called uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Not, as I accidentally said to my wife in the week, The Relentless uh, Pursuit of Hurry. Uh, She said that was a Freudian slip, if ever I heard one. Uh, And, um, you know, we had such great feedback from from the first week. I can't think of anyone better to uh, lead us forward in our thinking about how to be more present how to be more peaceful, how to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, then Jill Webber, uh, part of the leadership here. We love Jill dearly. So, Jill, over to you. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm just going to move this back. I, I love that spring comes in February here. You may have not, if you don't, haven't realized it, I'm, I'm not from around here. I uh, come from the faraway Canada, and uh, this is the time of year that I send my gloating photos. So I take pictures of snowdrops and daffodils, and I send them back home to my Canadian friends and family, saying, "Wish you were here," because they still have two more months of winter. <laughs> so uh, I <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so. Um, I want to show you a picture of Canada two weeks ago. You ready for this? So that's a a garage and and a snowblower that's looking rather intimidated. So that's actually Newfoundland. They had a huge, huge blizzard there. I'm from another part of Canada. I was originally from Winnipeg, which they call Winterpeg, where the average um, temperature in the winter is between minus 20 to minus 30 Dipping down to minus 40. And and then every so often we would have blizzards. And I realized I needed to define blizzards for you non-snow people. (laughs) Blizzards are when the heaven opens. Oh, it's like your your rainstorms, but snow. (laughs) And you know sometimes the rain goes sideways, right? You get the really big ones coming off the ocean. Same thing, snow blowing sideways. Blizzards, we have them in Canada. And what Canadian farmers need to do during a blizzard, because in the morning you have to get up quite early to feed the chickens and get the eggs and milk the cows. So in order to stay safe in a blizzard, they have to tie a rope to their back door and tie a rope to the door of the barn. Because in the middle of a blizzard, you can't see anything. You can't see anything. And it happens that farmers go out and they they try and make their way to the barn. And and they get disoriented in the snow and in the dark and in the noise and in the chaos. And, And sometimes they freeze to death in their own backyard. So they need the rope. They need something to hang on to to get them from point A to point B. So I wonder how many of us feel like we're in a bit of a blizzard sometimes. You roll out of bed in the morning and you feel like you step into a flurry of competing demands and expectations. Anybody? Or, or you step into the office, probably this has never happened to you, you step into the office and you can feel the atmosphere in the room. And you realize overnight a storm has blown in somewhere, somehow. And that if you're gonna get through your day at work, you just have to batten down the hatches and hide in your office cubicle until it blows over. Maybe? And sometimes, some of us, were beleaguered by electronic white noise from our phones. And others simply are blown this way or that by the storms of life so we're trying to get from point a to point b the beginning of my day to the end of our day and we sometimes we feel like we're just putting our head down and we're we're trying to find our way in the in the craziness and the darkness and the cold And we feel like we need a rope to hang on to a lifeline of sorts so we don't get lost and lose ourselves in the very swirl of it all And I don't know about you, but last week when they, they showed all the the symptoms of hurry sickness on the screen, it was a terrible slide. Terrible. You looked at it and you went, oh, yeah, tick, uh, tick, 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 tick. Anybody? You're just like, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm sick. I've got hurry sickness. And we see ourselves and our lives reflected in it. We feel that way in the storm. I am. Back at home, not in the winter, but in the summer, I have got a, or I had a monstrous rose bush in front of my house. I called her Audrey. You know, Audrey from the, that's the man eating plant in the little shop of horrors, Audrey and Audrey was huge and sprawling, and she just kind of flopped over the front and just spread all over our front parking uh, pad, and she'd just get all covered with dust and dirt, and the garbage would get all caught up in her, and she says, thorns and brambles, just a, a sprawling mess. How many of us feel like Audrey sometimes? We feel like we're just kind of floppy and... Sprawled out, that our lives have expanded in every direction without any shape or form. A recent study showed that the average iPhone user touches his or her phone, are you ready? 2,617 times a day. And that's for all smartphone users. If you're a millennial, are there any millennials in the room? Hand if you're millennial, your numbers are double, double. (laughs) But in every study, people had no idea how much time they were on their phone. They were just completely oblivious to the fact 2,617 times a day. There's a book called The Demise of Guys by Philip Zombardo. He did some research on the crisis of masculinity in Western culture. He's concluded that the average guy spends 10,000 hours playing video games by the time they're 21. 10,000 hours. What could you do in 10,000 hours? You could go and get your master's degree. You could become a concert pianist. You could become a guitar player like Peter Burton with 10,000 hours. (laughs) And we're playing video games. Our lives are floppy and sloppy and sprawling sometimes. How many of you got to the end of the weekend and thought, did I do anything this weekend at all? Did I get anything done? And you try and remember, and it's like just this mist. I can't remember any of it. Time management expert Stephen Covey says this. We get caught in the thick of thin things. Caught in the thick of thin things. We waste so much time. And how we spend our time, says John Comer, John Mark Comer, how we spend our time is how we spend our lives. So K- Kurt came in one day after having a wrestling match with Audrey the rosebush, and he was a little bit scratched up. And he finally said, "Jilly, you've got to do something with this rosebush. We just have to deal with it. I'm, I'm sick and tired of our friends being afraid to come over because they can't get up the stairs." And uh, so I went out one day with my pruning shears, a little bit of rope, and we cut her back a little bit. We wrestled, but I prevailed. And, uh, and we tied her back to a trellis. And so the next picture. This isn't Audrey. This is her cousin, I think. But, uh, <laughs> and it lifted her out of the dust and the sprawl and the mud, gave her a little bit of shape and structure so that her beauty could be revealed. With a little bit of pruning, with a little bit of shaping, with a little bit of supportive structure, our lives can take shape and become even more beautiful. Um, In the tradition of the early church, going back as far as the the third century, communities of Christians, They explored this. What does it look like to give our lives a little shape and a little structure? and How do we do it together? And they formed something that we now call a rule of life. And so it's it's singular rule, not rules. It's not like a bunch of rules to follow for your life. But rule, and and the the Latin word for it is regula. It means stick or it means There we go. (laughs) Spiritual formation educator Ruth Haley Barton defines a rule of life this way. A rule of life is a way of ordering our lives or our lifestyle around values and practices and relationships that keep us open and available to God. Values practices things that we practice things that we do and relationships so simply put a rule of life provides structure and support and space for our growing and our transformation for our flourishing not only for our lives but for the lives of everybody that we touch a rule of life is not a ticking a, a box of things to tick, tick tick done this didn't do that did this that's not what a rule of life is and a rule of life is not a measuring stick that we measure our own spirituality and our superiority or our inferiority off of other people a rule of life is not a measuring stick and a rule of life certainly is not another kind of stick that you beat people with that's not what a rule of life is practices values relationships that give structure support and space. As I I look back in my life through starting my early teens, I realized even before I met Jesus, I was on a quest for a way of life that works. How many of us are on a quest for a way of life that actually works? And and for me, it wasn't sort of all of my life that was sprawling. It was just my waistline initially. (laughs) I was just getting a little... You know, plump around the middle and I thought, okay, well, I, I need some support and some structure and, and some community around this. And I found it in Weight Watchers. <laughs> so I had some structure and I had some support and I had friends and to do it with and it it helped for a season. And then uh, when I turned twenty, I discern I, I come to I came to understand that I had a call of leadership on my life. And you know, 80% of leadership is personal leadership. 80% of leadership is leading yourself. And as soon as I realized that, I thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble. (laughs) I'm in big trouble. So I started to look around. how How do I lead myself? How do I bring shape and structure to my life? And I found Stephen Covey. (laughs) And I don't know if he's famous here, but back in North America, he was sort of the guru of time life management. I read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and First Things First. And and I realized that I could actually build my life around principles. And in the quiet, I could listen for what's, what's the most effective thing I could do with my time. It was the beginnings of a rule of life. And then I I read a book by a friend of mine. I saw him in the Woking Service this morning. His name's Andy Freeman. And he'd written this beautiful little book called Punk Monk, which, which described... Community rules of life, ways that we could walk the way of Jesus together and have shared values and practices in this community together of prayer and mission and justice. It was part of my 17-year journey of, of being a new monastic or an urban missionary, whatever you want to call it, back in Canada. And we shaped a whole community around these common practices. You know that you've got common practices, a common rule of life here at Emmaus, Right? Hospitality, 100 parties in 50 days. It's your practice of hospitality. Prayer, we have prayer weeks and woking. They prayer walk to the whole town, right? Mission and justice. If we want mission and mercy and justice, that's a core practice for us may Emmaus. Just go over to the lighthouse. We get to practice it together. <laughs> Common rule of life. Last week, Hannah read my, one of my favorite scriptures, but she didn't read my favorite translation of it. So <laughs> I'm going to fix it, and I'm going to read it this week. This is from Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. Eugene Peterson wraps beautiful words around Jesus' invitation to us. Are you tired and worn out? You burnt out by religion. Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. I love that, the simplicity of it. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. I think most of us in this room probably would, become, would like to become more like Jesus. Does anybody want to become more like Jesus? Yeah. And um, I would love to have more of his joy. I'd love to have more of his peace in uncertainty. I'd love to be the way he was, a non-anxious presence in a room. The conduit of the love and healing of God. We want to be like Jesus. There's also, you know, there's there's other folks in this congregation that I, I really aspire to be like as well. You guys are a really inspiring bunch. I don't know if you know that. But uh, um, one of them is, is Nikki Kahuzak. Nikki is absolutely amazing. Nikki is like an energy drink bottled up in a person, right? Anybody who knows her is like, oh, of course, right. Nikki is, she is full of vitality. She's lean and she's strong and she's fit. You're running and cycling and swimming and racing. If you show up for a race and Nikki is there at the start line, just go home and have a donut. Right? She's completely unbeatable. It's not going to happen. And I I follow her on Instagram. I love to follow Nikki on Instagram. I sit on my couch. (laughs) Wrapped up in my quilt, got my feet up, watching Netflix, scrolling through Nikki's Instagram, eating crisps. I want to be just like Nikki. Many of us want the life of Jesus, but we're not sure that we want to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Lifestyle being rhythms and routines that make up our daily existence, the way that we organize our time, prioritize the time that we have, the way that we spend our money I want to live my life on purpose. I don't want to live my life on automatic pilot. I don't want to live my life by accident. I am this year, big year for me, turning 50. Thank you. Now this is the part where you all go, you don't look like you're turning 50. <laughs> you missed it, guys. <laughs> but as I, as I as sort of tick over into the second half of the century, I become increasingly aware of my limitations. Because the reality is, I am a finite human being. I know it's hard to believe, but I am. And I get tired. And I get sad. And I get vulnerable. I actually spent like an hour crying this morning. I was sad about something. I'm finite. I am frail. I only have so much time energy. I only have so much capacity. So The question I have to ask myself then is in light of my being so finite and small, how am I gonna spend the capacity I have? How am I gonna spend it? Back when I turned 20, I wrote a, as I was reading Stephen Covey, (laughs) He said, write a mission statement for your life. That's what I did. And I wrote a mission statement that I thought, okay, you know, it it needs to be large enough, expansive enough that it will take my lifetime to live into. I wrote it 20 years ago. No, 30 years ago. Oh, dear. And uh, I'm still living into it today. You want to hear it? Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah. (laughs) Here's what I wrote. My life will be characterized by the presence and the personality and the purposes of God. My life will be characterized by the presence and the personality and the purposes of God. I want to live a life that gives glory to God. I want to live a life that points people to Jesus. I want my not only my life and my lifestyle, but the essence of my being to point at how good and how glorious God is. And how my deepest good is found in belonging to him and inviting others on that journey as well. That's what I want. It means I need to live on purpose not by accident or on automatic pilot. And a rule of life for me helps me. I've been living under a rule of life or with a rule of life for, gosh, almost 20 years now. And it really truly is like a a rope in the snowstorm (laughs) and a trellis for me when things get floppy and sprawly. (laughs) As Jesus offers us this, he offers us, he shows us a way of life that works jesus had margin we learned last week from hannah that jesus was interruptible that means jesus had space in his daytimer. i would have hate to have been jesus like executive assistant i'm like come on jesus we got to get there now and off he goes (laughs) has anybody seen jesus where oh he's over there you know (laughs) imagine trying to corral jesus and keep him on track but he had space he had margin He had time. Jesus would get up regularly early in the morning and go away to a quiet place to be with God. And that wasn't enough for him. Sometimes he would go away overnight or even for a few weeks at a time, stepping away from the front lines of his life to gather himself to his Father. Jesus had lots of long meals with friends. Can I get an hallelujah? Lots of long meals with friends talking about stuff that really mattered. Jesus went to parties. He went to parties. I know. Yeah. A little whoop there. Yeah. (laughs) So much so they thought he was a glutton and a drunkard. Who's this party going guy? He has space and time for people. Jesus lived simply His life had room for God, for loving God and being loved by God, and his life had room for others. He lived his life on purpose, and his life showed the goodness of his Father. And so over the next five weeks, we just invite you on to a journey with us. And I say with us because we actually as a core team, as a staff team, are are going on the journey too. We've set out some spiritual practices for us as a staff to explore together. Some of us are going away to a monastery on a silent retreat on Tuesday. We found out that monks really like home baking, so we're bringing them some home baking. And uh, others of us have taken our email apps off of our phones, finding ways to make space. And over the next four Sundays, we're going to be exploring some spiritual practices that you might want to try as experiments. So solitude and silence. Simplicity. Slowing. Slowing down just a bit. And then Sabbath as well. We'll With some teaching and then in your collectives, there'll be some activities that you can try and you can reflect together on your practices. It's just an experiment. We're just going to try I love the word practices because it means we can just practice like what could happen if we try something and you're like well that didn't work
1: <laughs> like well, that was
0: terrible I'm definitely not trying it that way again or or like Wow that was amazing here I've got one spiritual practice do you want do you want one spiritual practice little teaser that will change your life forever you ready put your phone to bed before you go to bed keep your phone out of your bedroom Guarantee 100 percent that will change your life. Anyway, just one. that's a freebie, but uh. <laughs> So practice. Does it help? What's God's invitation? We're just going to take a minute or two. Just at the end. I just invite you to close your eyes. Some of us feel like we're in the blizzard and we're looking for a rope in the snowstorm. Others of us feel like our lives are floppy and sprawling all over, needing desperately some shape and some structure. Where am I? And God, is there something that you want me, just ask God this yourself, is there something that you want me to do this week? Some little spiritual practice, some little habit or experiment that might bring shape and support to my life. That might help me unhurry and make room for love. Would you bring something to mind even now? Jesus, we just, we just say that we love you. We want to watch you and walk with you and learn from you. We want to discover you as our way, our way of life. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jill. A show of appreciation to Jill, shall we?